Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Today is Monday. It's the 8th of January, 2018. As you can tell, I'm coming to you from the mobile studio, and I'm kind of going to be stuck in traffic here for a while, so I thought, well... Let's see if I can go out and put a show. The first week of January is kind of already ticked by, and I didn't want to get too far behind. And I uh, may be going at a little bit lower speeds here, so the sound quality maybe not won't be too bad. So anyway, let's get our contact info going out, uh, get that out of the way, and then we'll get caught up, do some recaps, and then kind of move forward with the show. If you'd like to call up and yell at me, you can do that at 206-745-2731. Or if you'd like to write a scathing email or yell at me with your own recording, you can send that stuff to firearmscafe at gmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at gmail.com. Over on the website, I have, which is firearmscafe.com, I have buttons for Facebook, for Twitter, also for YouTube. You can check that stuff out if you like. There is a PayPal donation button. If you ever become so inclined, it would be greatly appreciated. I think that kind of catches us up on our housekeeping stuff. So I hope everybody had a good new year. I hope everybody had a good Christmas and uh, you got some presents that you wanted and got to spend some quality time with family and friends. A little bit kind of on behind the curtain here a little bit. On the last show, I had, uh, or the last couple shows, I had mentioned that there was an extended family member who had some mental health issues. Uh, pretty much that stuff has been resolved, but it's been kind of a, a little bit of a road on that. There was also my mother-in-law who... I'd mentioned in a previous show that my father-in-law had recently uh, passed. He had, turns out he had uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, which was made uh, worse by a brain tumor that he had. And and the uh, brain tumor was actually kind of what ended his life at the end. Uh, If you can be thankful for anything, it's that he didn't suffer too long with that. So, and he had a good life. You know, he had a... uh, he got to do pretty much everything he wanted to do and, and uh, had good friends and family and all that type of stuff. So anyway, another thing that we were kind of having to get done and settled up was that after my father-in-law passed away, uh, at the end he was at a, uh, a care facility, a memory care place where he was living. and But my mother-in-law didn't move in there. She decided that she could stay in the home and didn't really want to give up some independence. After about maybe six months or so, after his passing, she decided, you know what, it's just too much work. At my age, I don't want to try and have to deal with all the minutia of running the house and trying to take care of the cars and do all this other stuff and run all the finances. And so she ended up going to one of these retirement centers in the old days, we used to call them like an old folks home, but basically they're, they're so much better than what they used to be. And pretty much what she has is 
her own apartment. So anyway, without going into too much detail on that kind of stuff, part of the thing was is that we had to sort of absorb when when she moved out of her house, we had to sort of absorb a lot of that stuff into our house and we've been slowly trying to uh, sell stuff off or get rid of things here and there and and uh, that type of stuff. So that's that's sort of what's been occupying me uh, really for about probably the last six to eight months is trying to get sort of all the pieces put back together and and uh, get stuff to where it's back on a little bit of a normal schedule. Also, uh, in a little bit more of kind of behind the curtain stuff, I am going to try my best to put out more shows both with this show and my other podcast, which is The Armed Ape. Hopefully I'll be able to uh, get some of the plans that I want to do worked out with that and uh, be able to get on, a, get on more of a set schedule where I'm able to put stuff out. Um, so I think that's about it for the behind-the-scenes stuff. On the last show, I believe we were talking a little bit about the Red Dot Saga, kind of what was going on with that. There is um, a little bit of an update on that, not much. As you guys know, I did get an RMR. Uh, they had a Cabela's had a good sale price on it, so I went ahead and picked one up. And I also recently, and I'll talk about this a little bit later after we kind of do the update on the RMR stuff, I also was able to pick up for a good price the Viridian. I think it's the X5L or L5X or something like that. I don't have it here in front of me, but their combination light and laser and it's a green light or a green light it's a green laser with a light combo so uh, we'll jump into that here in a second but let's talk first about the RMR and kind of what I want to do I still have yet to get the slide mill and one of the things I was thinking of I thought you know what what happens if I get that RMR on there and I just don't like it I know you can get a cover plate and this that and the other thing but if I've milled it specifically for the Trigicon does that, is that going to ruin it for me to do something else? To put, let's say, if I wanted to go with a, a Loophole Delta Point Pro, or I wanted to go with a doctor or something like that, or, uh, you know, I find that for whatever reason, you know, this other new site or something works a little bit better for my decrepit old eyeballs. And, over on in range, I think Ian and Carl, and I think Ian had, I don't know if Carl did or not, I, but I'm pretty sure Ian had an RMR on his nine, a Glock 19, and I think he decided that he preferred the loopholes better. And I don't know if Carl went that same route or not. Uh, what I need to do is kind of reach out to those guys. I talked about that last time too, but I need to reach out to those guys and see if they'll come on the show and talk with me about uh, some of that stuff and kind of what their what some of their decision tree was so to speak on that stuff um, and I what I'll probably do is I'll ask them the questions around that uh, how I used to do my review stuff over at the armed ape so hopefully I'll, I'll be able to maybe reach out to those guys uh, I'm uh, probably won't be able to get that part done that may be you know come two or three shows later down the road or something when we can get our schedules synced up if they'll do it at all hopefully they will I don't think they would say no but they may be too busy or just may not feel like doing it so anyway 
One of the thoughts I had about the Trijicon RMR, and one of the reasons I've been hesitant to just go ahead and get it milled specifically for that is, again, what happens if I don't like it, if it doesn't work, if I experience problems with it? What do I do? Am I stuck? And I thought, well, Glock, when they did their MOS pistol, and other, I think other companies have kind of done this as well. Basically, they mill it and, and then it fits the plate, and then the plate accepts can accept different optics depending on which plate you put on there. So you basically have an adapter. And so then I thought, well, could I? And this is where I'd like to get some of your guys' input and tell me what you think. Good idea, bad idea. Uh, if anybody out there is a machinist and could could speak to the actual uh, feasibility of doing it this way. So I thought, well, could I just buy the aftermarket adapters for the MOS? Or I guess it would be uh, OEM adapters because they would be, I'd get the Glock ones for the 17 that I have. Could I get the ones for that and then just have the slide milled to where it accepts those adapters? And then that way, if I wanted to change something out, I could, I could do it that way. Or could I get a, a better milling job and a better fit overall if, when I took it into a machine shop, I had them mill it out and but make have them make me specific adapter plates so that they can do a, a different type of cut or do, you know, to, to give me the best possible uh, way of securing whatever optic I'm going to use on that slide. And uh, so, like I said, if any of you are a machinist or have experience with that stuff, let me know what you think. Do you think it, like I said, do you think it would be best just to say, ah, just mill it out for... I know some people are going to say mill it out just for the specific optic, but uh, again, I don't know if you do that if you're kind of stuck. So my my kind of the thing that I'm liking is either either going that way where I have my own plates made, or going the way where I just have it milled out for the actual Glock stuff, the Glock plates, and then I can kind of switch and go around from there. Also, you know, I'm not, I don't really, I'm not really sweating the, you know, since I've got the RMR, what if I don't like it? I could always either sell it or the reality is what I would probably do is just put it on my, either my 1022 or I would put it, actually put, what I would probably really put it on would either be maybe either on a shotgun or on one of my uh, 22 pistols that I could mount that thing on there for. Because again, it's you know it's not that big. A, those things wouldn't be quote unquote mission critical, uh, since I'm not going to be knocking down any doors or anything like that. So I may do that uh, if if that doesn't work out, or you know if it does work out great, I still may at a later date want to as, as some uh, if I could find it at a good price, maybe find a nice used Delta Point Pro from somebody and uh, and then do some experiments with that as well. All right, I think, let's see. You know what? Um, let's talk a little bit about... Oh, wow. 
This guy's got a really super nice... Do you remember those old uh, El Caminos? There's a guy next to me on the thing over. He's got a really nice one. Anyway, I always kind of had a soft spot for those. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, it's basically like a... Uh, it's kind of like a car-truck combo. So, uh, anyway... Uh, but he had it painted really super nice, nice rims and everything on there. So, uh, anyway, let's see, I got a little bit distracted by that. Um, oh, I know what I was going to talk about. I've always kind of had, again, sort of a soft spot and I always kind of wanted one, but, and that's a pistol caliber, excuse me, pistol caliber carbine. And I liked the idea of it. I liked the idea of it if it was an AR style to be you know the pistol version of it and especially since now with the brace if you when you're cheeking the weapon or putting getting your cheek weld on the weapon and if it happens if the brace happens to touch your shoulder it's not that big a deal I think that's the latest uh, um, ruling by the ATF I don't think they're gonna really go after people for that probably about the only thing that you could really go after somebody for anyway would be in a uh, something like a YouTube video or something like that I, you know, other than that I don't know uh, anyway I always liked the idea of that type of thing for a home defense gun because you especially if you got one that took lock magazines uh, I think it is Nordic Components has a nice carbine length one and they also have a pistol version pistol length version uh, for 9mm but they're pretty pricey there is C CMMG is that it? I think that's what it is they came out with the Guard Series which I actually thought was pretty cool and I liked in 9mm I think they also have one in 45 but I would actually prefer the 9mm and I think that accepts Glock magazines. Now, getting back to the uh, the Nordic Components one, it has a thing where you can switch out basically the magwell. And if you if you run NM, Smith and Wesson MMP mags, you can use that. Or if you you can also get the magwell for Glock, and then you can just order which one. If you happen to have both, you could just order the magwell separately, and then you could switch them both out if you wanted. But I saw the other day they had Ruger had come out with, and it wasn't an AR-15 style rifle. It was more like kind of a beefed up 10-22, and they came out with their pistol caliber carbine, which is also a takedown, by the way, and it's a nine millimeter, and it can take either the Ruger magazines or it can take Glock magazines. And again, you switch out the the magwell. Now, it's not near as pricey as the CMMG, which I think was going for around like $1,300, or the Nordic Components, which was going for around $1,600. I think they were expecting maybe for the person, the average guy, to be able, once you could actually buy it, probably around five dollars to $600 range. Which I thought was a fantastic price, and I thought, ooh, I w- I'd really like to have something like that. And then I wondered, with that, and this is, I wondered, could you, or would you even want to? 
would be the thing here. Could you SBR something like that if you wanted to? If you wanted to have like more of a short barrel little rifle type thing. I don't know what the overall length of the thing is. I've, I've never, I haven't held one in my hand, so I don't know, you know, how good it would be if, if you were using it for home defense. Although people use 16 inch ARs for home defense all the time, and they don't seem to have much of a problem with getting in and around the house with that. But I, I, uh, I saw that and I thought, oh, that's not too bad of a price to be able to get in and to be able to have something like that uh, would be a lot of fun uh, to be able to kind of have that mess around. And, and they would, I, I think it would be a viable home defense gun. Again, I'm kind of talking out of my butt here a little bit with that because I haven't shot it. I, I, I haven't held it, so I don't know kind of how it feels, how it points, that type of thing. So... But getting back to the the uh, pistol link styles, where the, of the kind of the uh, AR variant of it, one of the reasons I liked that type of a thing in that pistol, excuse me, pistol link version, is that I think you could kind of one hand that relatively easy. Again, I'd have to shoot one and see what it did. But, and, and the reason I was thinking that, let's say if you were using something like that. So again, the AR variant of the pistol caliber carbine, but in a pistol link gun. So it's an actual pistol. If you had to grab a kid or if you had to push somebody behind you or if you had to do something kind of one-handed, you could use it. Uh, you could kind of press it into that service. And if you didn't have to, if you could use two hands to, you know, to run it more like a rifle, you could do that as well. So, but to be honest with you, the probably the uh, entry price for the higher level guns on those for the guard or for the Nordic components one is just going to be a little too much for me to be able to to jump in. However. The, the Ruger might be something that I, I might be able to go ahead and get, and I think it would, it would make a great camping gun. It would, might make a great truck gun. So I don't know if it would be that great of a survival gun, but, you know, it would be something that if you're out there with your Glock 19 or whatever and you've got, a, uh, you've got that on your hip, it would be nice to have that carbine and then you could have a 30 rounder or you could use one of your 15 rounds or your 17 rounders to pop right into that gun and it would be good to go. I always kind of like having that uh, same platform to be able to, to uh, move stuff in between and out of that platform. I, and I don't know that Ruger will ever do it. Uh, I would like to see them because I have the VP9, so I've got a bunch of HK mags. I would like to see them do a uh, an after uh, I guess call, we'll call it an aftermarket Magwell for HK. I think they've got, like I said, I think they've got stuff for the Ruger, which they obviously would, but then they've also got for Glock. Um, for them, you know, I think it makes more sense marketing-wise for them to just say, oh, okay, well, we can design an HK Magwell. We can design a 
uh, M&P Magwell because these guns, we can design an XD Magwell because these guns are the ones that are out there that are super popular and, uh, you know, people have those. And so why lose out on that market because, just because we don't? Now, some people say, well, would they really have the incentive to do something like that? And I think they would if, if we look at some of the political stuff and what's happened with that. Since Clinton did not get into the White House, praise Odin for that, and we got Trump, the, the panic that would have happened, and believe me, it would, it would have been like nothing you had ever seen before if she had gotten in. Uh, you think there were shortages under Obama. Woo. It would have been crazy under her. But that's ifs and buts and candy and nuts and all that other stuff. So we don't got to have to... Luckily, we don't have to worry about that. But since Trump got in, the panic that... and, and, the, and, uh, and the anxiety that people were feeling all went away. And so what's happened is, for the first time in a long time, we've actually had a surplus of stuff. And what that means is that AR prices have gone down, ammo prices have gone down, but it also means that people have, have stopped buying things at the rate that they were buying them previously. So where you had a, a, a steady diet of that stuff, uh, a steady flow of guns going out, that has kind of tapered off a bit. And what that means for the gun companies is they have to start putting stuff out that's maybe a little different, or they have, or they say, oh, you know what? People are always clamoring for this pistol caliber carbine, or here's an affordable pistol caliber carbine that people can actually get and use and we'll make sure that it, from the jump we're going to have it use Glock mags because that's one of the most popular guns that's out there. Uh, the, the, the factory mags are, are good, they're robust, they're reliable. Also, guess what? Magpul makes uh, their version of Glock mags that are reliable. Um, I haven't had any problems with any of the, of the Magpul mags that I've ever used. They've always run run well uh, I mean you can always have there, there's always going to be in anything that's that's manufactured you're always going to have uh, the possibility for some problem but like I said I haven't really experienced anything with them they've always run pretty well so uh, not uh, not to the point to where I'm like oh this magazine is garbage and I gotta like smash it with a hammer and get rid of it type stuff I lost my train of thought while I'm looking at the traffic patterns here. Sorry about that. Oh, but anyway, kind of getting back to the Ruger thing and, and doing that and getting back to the companies. That's what I was talking about. I think the gun companies are going to start bringing some stuff out. One of the things that I was pleased to see was that HK brought out a their uh, HK VP9SK. And I actually got to hold one of those at a gun store the other day. I can't remember if I talked about this or not on the last show. But, boy, I really liked it. It was nice. Um, now, let me tell you guys about a recent purchase, and I will try and put some uh, pictures of this up over on the listener page at Firearms Cafe over on Facebook. 
but I was able uh, to get a um, single shot 12 gauge it's a New England Firearms uh, partner and uh, it's not you know the pristine beauty it's, it's, it's been used a little bit but it seems that everything works on it I'll have to test fire it but the main reason I wanted to get that was because eventually I'm going to buy one of those uh, caliber conversion sets where you can have it everything fits down into the into the bore into the chamber excuse me and then you can shoot pistol caliber stuff for it now yeah it's only a single shot but Again, I think it would make an excellent gun. But so you can get stuff for I believe nine millimeter for three fifty seven for forty four. You can shoot. I I, I think I'm, well. I'm positive you can shoot uh, four ten stuff through it. You can get there's there's companies that make it. I don't know, and I'll have to look. I uh, I don't think you can shoot twenty gauge through it. I don't think they make a twenty gauge adapter for it. Maybe they do. Uh, but like I said, I'll, I'll double check on that stuff and let you guys know um, and I know there's several different companies that kind of make those and of course you know it'd be nice to have the 22 and it would be nice to have something like that and one of the main reasons I wanted to get it I mean I know I have my Ruger 1022 and all this other stuff but one of the main reasons I wanted to get it was to be able to have something for a little single shot that, that my daughter could shoot and shoot quite easily and be able to you know shoot pretty well I could just be able to take that shotgun and and uh, pop in that um, pop in that adapter, and then there you go, you know, easy peasy. So, uh, also I know with those that some people, I think I've, I'll have to measure the barrel. I think it's like a twenty-two or twenty-four inch barrel on there. I I, uh, I can't remember. But um, anyway, I got that for a really good price. Uh, well, I don't know. Probably not like the, a super smoking deal. But I probably got it for about maybe, oh, $30 or so, $40 less than what's, what kind of it seems to be the going rate for them when you look at it. So, and I got it. I actually ended up getting it from a pawn shop. I couldn't ever find anyone. Um, most people that wanted them wanted about, you know, 100, anywhere from 150 to 175 dollars for them. Uh, just because I think I don't think they're made anymore, so they kind of jumped up in value a little bit. So the the ones that I would find sort of on the open market or even sometimes at a pawn shop were uh, they were a little pricey. But I got mine. I think, I think what I got mine for, I paid a hundred and about twenty to hundred about excuse me about one hundred twenty dollars for it. I think it was a a very fair price for what I got. It came with like a little uh, leather side saddle type thing, which I don't know, which I'll keep. And then it's funny, you know, people say, "Oh, that thing kicks like a mule," and they're like, "Well, yeah, if you're shooting." you know, three-inch slug, magnum slugs through it, yeah, it's going to kick pretty hard. Um, on mine, this one actually comes with a, uh, a recoil pad on there. Eh, 
you know, the, the gun's relatively light, so I don't know. There's not a lot of mass there to soak up some of the recoil, but I'm really not that recoil sensitive. And this isn't something that you're going to go out and shoot 500 rounds through in a day. So, you know, it's not, and like I said, my, one of my primary reasons to have it is to be able to use it with some adapters. Now, I still have to figure out which set of adapters I want to get, this, that, and the other. But I've seen some reviews on some stuff, and, and uh, most of them are pretty good. So, And then basically, it, it sort of, it seems like you can get some that are a little bit longer, especially for the 22. So you can get uh, ones to where it's, it, it basically is going to be like just shooting out of a handgun. So... It's, it's not that you're getting, you know, that you're putting a, an adapter that is uh, 12 inches long or 15 inches long and you're able to, you know, shove that down the tube and then do it that way to where you're actually getting more of like carbine type ballistics out of it and velocities. Uh, but, you know, and I don't know, I don't, does anybody know, do they actually make like a longer 9mm, like a 10 inch or 12 inch? 9 millimeter rifled adapter that you could put in there or something like with a 45 but I know they have like 45 I don't know if they have 10 millimeter I know they have 9 45 I'm sure somebody has to make a 10 millimeter but again like I said the main thing would be nice to have for 22 long rifle and uh, I'm sure they probably also maybe make something like for 223 or 556 type thing maybe you could put that down in there or maybe it's just not popular enough I don't know all right, I think what I'm going to do is go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, maybe do one last thing. I'm getting pretty close to home. Let's talk a little bit about national reciprocity. And we'll go into more detail on this stuff on a later show. And let's talk a little bit about the Hearing Protection Act, so suppressors. You know... Reciprocity passed out of the House, went up to the Senate, but it's going to die there. It's just not going to happen. Also, when we look at the Hearing Protection Act, you know, that pretty much is dead. Will it come back this year? I think it will. And I think it will probably pass. I think it will pass long before reciprocity does. And I think... I, I, as far as what's going to happen with the suppressors, I don't know if it's going to be a thing where we get everything that we want. And I've talked about this before in that are they going to take it off the NFA list? Are they going to keep it on? But it, it becomes a thing of you can buy it, but it's a $5 tax stamp, and they make a thing where uh, the, the, uh, you still have to register it. But the gun shop can actually print out your, your tax stamp for you. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no reason that something like that couldn't happen with modern technology and modern printers and things like that. Um, is it a, you know, would it be a deal where, you know, it's instead of 200 like I said, it's $5. And then they, they're able to give you your stamp sort of, you know, right then and there. And that I don't know. 
it's awful hard for the government to give up any type of revenue stream, even if it's not a super significant one, uh, with, you know, with, with, uh, with the suppressors. So anyway, um, I think those will come back. I think it'll be probably a few years before we really see any progress on there. I think we're looking at maybe timelines like, uh, what's happened with concealed carry, you know, it may take five, 10 years or so before we actually kind of get it to where we want it to be. So, all right, guys, thanks for joining me. If you want to contact me, I'll give you that uh, contact information again. Voicemail, area code 206-745-2731. Emails uh, address to send voicemail or, or not voicemail, or uh, audio recordings or emails. Firearmscafe at gmail.com. All right, my friends, I'll talk to you next time.